You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. Uh, sort of limping toward the finish line time. Well, the finish line of the regular season time. This is, this is still a postseason sport time. But uh, things not looking great time. Lots to discuss about that time, whatever time of day it is, boys and girls. It's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Trust Rucker coming to you from... Fort Rucker studio here on a late Thursday afternoon called an early Thursday evening here in God's own Knoxville, Tennessee, just a couple miles away from Thompson Bowling Arena, where Tennessee will be back on Saturday to host South Carolina. The Vols, uh, who were fighting for an SEC championship not that long ago, now now just hoping to fight for a top four spot. Also a couple miles away from the movie theater, where hopefully at some point in the next couple of days, I will go see Cocaine Bear, which is not a sponsor of this podcast, but still looks like the greatest movie ever made, and I have to go see that. So we got a lot to discuss on this episode. So if it's basketball, you know where we're going. We're going over to the content king himself, the, the newly minted content king of Govals 24-7, who is somehow able to do a podcast despite writing 100 stories a day. It is the impressive, the one and the only Ben McKee, Ben my man, I gotta ask you. Um, your your fingers gotta be a little sore, right? No, they they're not sore. Just uh, doing my job. So, just that that's that's all I've got to say about that. Well, no, um, put putting the putting the side on the back there because I think everyone knows it's no no secret that I was uh, got some sort of a COVID variant here at the house that just really kicked all of us in the backside and i had pneumonia just a, like a couple weeks before that so it's been it's been one big pile of suck for a while over here and uh but the site's been a-okay because one benjamin mckee has been carrying it so publicly i say again thank you for that and how you doing well patrick brown and ryan callahan deserve as much oh credit sure sure no question but they're not they're- on this podcast so screw them <laughs> That, that's that's one way to go about it, but I, I do appreciate the kind words. Uh, I, I'm I'm doing well, uh, generally speaking, for for this time of year, uh, because basketball is obviously in full swing with uh, the SEC tournament, likely now beginning for for us, you and I, and people who follow Tennessee and pay attention to Tennessee, probably three weeks from today because of the tailspin that Tennessee is in, and Feels we'll like probably that, yeah. end up playing on on Thursday not not set in stone could could still um get one of those top four seats to be honest with you I I haven't quite looked at it in depth so I I don't know what Tennessee needs to do here these last three games but they're they're in contention uh to 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 certainly get one of those top four spots it's just not what it was even two weeks ago where it, it felt like it was a lock that Tennessee was going to play on Friday so uh with with the SEC basketball tournament uh beginning Two weeks from today, potentially not even three weeks. Two weeks from uh, today, and in baseball season, uh, and and also full swing and 
playing five games this week, and we'll we'll probably play four to five games here uh, a week the rest of the season. It's it's a, a tiresome time of year, but that's how I like it. I, I've said that numerous times. I I, I love it that way. I, I for some crazy reason I kind of like when both sports are going on at the the same time. Just I'm a, I'm a sports fan. I love watching sports. It, it's it's that simple, and I'll never complain about getting to to cover games for a living. Yeah, I've been kind of I was chomping at the bit to kind of get back into things because. You know, I kept asking the doctor, like, all right, when can I leave? When can I leave? When can I leave? When can I leave? And uh, just kept bugging him. And, and finally, the day that he was like, okay, now now you can go out into the world. Like, I was just like a just like a bull who'd been pent up, just like, let me out of here. Let me go do some stuff. Because, yeah, there's a lot going on this time of year. And unfortunately for the Vols, not, not going great. Uh, things looking better, obviously, in baseball. We'll have a podcast on that here later in the day. Um, but this is the basketball one. So, of course, right now you've lost, I guess, four or five, five or seven, whatever it is. Things not great. I still think right now you're you're seeing sort of the punishment for that week Tennessee had with those two buzzer beaters uh, against Vanderbilt and Mizzou. That, that's kind of the difference right now. And being where close to where you'd want to be and where you are now, because you go to Rupp, you lose. That happens. Texas A&M has been playing good basketball. That game was there for Tennessee to win, and Tennessee lost it. Um, but still, that team's ranked second in the the league right now, second in standings, and it's playing really good basketball. And that team, unlike Tennessee and unlike Kentucky, is better than the sum of its parts. Texas A&M is so. So those guys, credit to them. Um, but certainly, there, there's no way to gloss over. Uh, what's going on right now with Tennessee? The the Vols are, I think, intelligently sort of playing it smart with Josiah Jordan James and Julian Phillips. You know, you'll need them as healthy as they can be for the postseason. So you'd like to get them maybe a couple games, hopefully, before the postseason starts. But you know, if if, if they're going to play right now and it runs the risk of you not having them for the tournament, yeah, and it makes you take a couple L's maybe that you didn't have to take. I think that's all right. I think you're you're this is a postseason sport and I think they're probably doing the right thing there. But nonetheless, Ben, that game in College Station uh, was right there to be won. Uh, Tennessee, despite playing without a couple of starters, as we just mentioned, uh, just could not stop turning the ball over at bad times, bad shot selection in the final minute of the game, final two minutes of the game. Uh, just didn't make shots. It, that thing was right there. I think it was really impressive for Tennessee to hang around in that game on the road, tough environment, teams playing well, the opponent is, they got a lot going on, but that game was still right there to be won. And if Tennessee had just been a little bit smarter, it was tough enough, but it wasn't smart enough to get it done. And I think that's probably a frustrating thing. It is for sure. And I do think Tennessee is doing the right thing with Josiah Jordan James and Julian Phillips, like you just said, the problem with with it, and not saying that they should be doing things differently, just preventing or presenting the the other side of the conversation or the other challenge that Tennessee will have to to face is is that yes, they are doing the right thing, but it's unfortunate that it comes with now three games remaining in the season. And Josiah Jordan James did say at the tip off club on Wednesday that uh, he was going to play on Saturday. Uh, that that he's feeling good and whatnot, and and the he'll he'll play uh, against South Carolina on on Saturday, um, but that that's not a whole lot of time to to try and iron out the kinks and sure. and <laughs> get get the rust out of the system. Now, I would actually say it is for Josiah Jordan James 
because he's a veteran, he, he's played basketball. Uh, we, we saw him last time when he came back from the knee injury uh, earlier in, in January. Uh, that game, I believe it was Mississippi State. He played well uh, in, in those 20 or so minutes uh, against Mississippi State that night that he came back. So not necessarily worried about it from a Josiah Jordan James standpoint, but more from a Julian Phillips standpoint. And we also still don't know when Julian Phillips is coming back. But a Julian Phillips standpoint and a team standpoint, that that's more of the the ironing out that will need to to take place, in my opinion, than Josiah Jordan James, because Josiah is a veteran. And and I do think we probably need to address the the elephant in the room. And, and that's the conversation that has been surrounding Josiah Jordan James and, and Julian Phillips uh, after they sat out. Uh, combined their third consecutive game. It was the third game that Julian has missed, and, and it was the fourth consecutive game that Josiah has missed. And there was a, a lot of frustration uh, amongst fans that maybe they were good to go, but did not give it a go. And only Josiah Jordan James and, and Julian Phillips knows internally whether they could have played or not. Uh, I personally in in watching Julian Phillips move around in practice and whatnot he's barely been able to move around so I, I don't necessarily know that he's he's faking in or, or, or scared or, or anything along those lines and folks got to remember like Julian Phillips is still a projected late first round pick and he he has money on the line yes. and, and him not playing in these games is is costing him money to a certain extent so Maybe maybe even enough where he needs to come back. You're right, and and I I don't I I don't, I don't know why Julian would not take advantage of of trying to play in these games and earn himself more money. So I, I don't I I personally, as you can tell in my tone, like I I don't believe either, not just Julian. I don't I don't believe either were purposefully sitting out when they could have played and. Uh, Josiah, I do think is the more interesting conversation. I said it on the podcast early last week that it looked like Josiah was was moving around fairly well in practice. But again, that's me seeing one practice that week and he wasn't going through five on five. He he wasn't even on the same end of the court with the rest of the team. He was on the other court with Garrett Benoit, the strength coach, getting shots up. Uh, coming off of of screens and pull up jumpers and and things of that nature, working on his free throws and and even kind of when he was acting like he was coming off a screen, it wasn't a hundred percent. He wasn't going full speed or anything along those lines. Um, but I, to be honest with you, I, I am kind of surprised that he has missed four games just by that small look into things. And remember, I, I'm obviously not around him on a on a day to day basis, but I also have a hard time believing that Josiah Jordan James viewed as one of the key leaders on this team would not play if able a we have plenty of evidence of him playing yes. in pain in the past even this season he he said publicly that he probably should not have played against Colorado or, or not against Colorado but played in the game after that one which was Florida Gulf Coast he probably should not have played against Florida Gulf Coast because he he could tell that his knee wasn't feeling right in the Colorado game, and that made things worse on him. So we, we have him publicly saying that. We we have multiple instances throughout his career in which he has played through injury, played through pain. And again, he's one of the leaders on this team. Like Tennessee needs him out there on the floor. So I, I'm just not buying into this conversation 
that I think is emotional by frustrated fans because of the results of some of these basketball games, I don't think it's a fair conversation to have. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's usually not a fair conversation to have when you're talking about someone's health, uh, just in general, because there's really no way for us to know. But And I just threw out a caveat about two or three minutes ago or four minutes ago when I said – I. I, because I, I've just had this sick bug that everybody's had or whatever, had the COVID and, and some pneumonia stuff. And I, I wasn't around nearly as much as I normally would be. So I've been around even less than Ben has been around. Like I've not been around the team as much as I normally would be still talk to people, still hear things. And, and I, but I've, it's not been as much as usual. So I'll throw that out there just to, to be candid because we try to be as transparent as we can on this podcast and on our website at govals247.com. But I will say, as someone who has gotten to know Josiah Jordan James over the years and the people around Josiah Jordan James over the years, I don't get the sense from any of those people in any serious way that they are questioning the toughness and want to of that young man. Uh, because when you think about it, think about it, tr- take the emotion away for a second. Think about it logically here. This guy could, in theory, be back next season if he wanted to be, but he's he's an old man in college basketball terms. He's getting up there in basketball age. If he's going to go give it a go overseas like or, or, or in the G League or whatever he wants to do next, you know, in, in his mind, hopefully still play in the NBA. It's his dream he doesn't want to get a year older, man. That's not going to make it any easier. He needs to, he needs to be out there proving himself and giving it a go and playing and, and putting things on tape to give himself a chance at the next level. There's no incentive whatsoever for him to be missing right now. There's none. He needs to be out there if he can be out there. And the people around Tennessee reveres too strong a word, but Josiah Jordan James is very, very highly thought of in that program. I have, a very, very difficult time believing that that this is a deal where he should be playing and he's not. I just, I don't, I my mind doesn't go that way because of the things that I know about that guy and that young man and the way that people talk about that young man. None of that adds up. Now, do I get the sense watching Tennessee this season that something is just weird? Sure, I do, because I when a team overall is not as good as the sum of its parts, Something is weird. Something is off. Don't know what it is. Might just be one of those things. But the, the when things don't click the way they need to on the court, people are going to ask questions. That's how things go. I just don't think this is a deal where guys are not playing when they could be playing. And I think for both of those young men, especially Josiah Jordan James, it doesn't help the fact that it doesn't help them that Santiago Vescovi is playing through, we all know, a bunch of stuff. His shooting shoulder's messed up. He's been sick. Uh, he could barely get out of bed to go to shoot around and kind of stand there and put up a couple shots before the Texas A&M game, and he played. And, and people people know that he's a dog, man, but that doesn't mean that that has anything to do with Josiah Jordan-James. It just doesn't. It does not mean Santiago Vescovi playing through what he's playing through doesn't mean that Josiah Jordan-James should be trying to play through what he's not been playing through. I think the goal of the program is right now to tighten the ranks, circle the wagons, get everybody as healthy as you can for the postseason, because at the end of the day, that's all anybody's going to care about anyway. Right, and and my last thought on Josiah, because Ju- Julian, like I mentioned earlier, like he, he's kind of been moving around gingerly. Yeah, he's banged up. Uh, the, 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 the last 
couple of weeks. So that that one hasn't been too surprising. And and I think Josiah is, has kind of been an easy target um, because, like, you don't see him walking with a limp or in a boot or, or anything. And he's frustrated people on and off for four years, which probably adds to it. Or, or anything of that nature. But, like, a, a high ankle sprain is a high ankle sprain. Like, the – and I guess I shouldn't say – high ankle sprain Tennessee listed it as a left ankle sprain but uh ankle sprains in general high ankle sprain or not like are are not easy to deal with and just just because somebody is not limping or or doesn't appear to be injured or or banged up doesn't mean that they are not injured or banged up like ankle sprains are, are nothing to play with especially in the sport of basketball when you are doing as much as you are doing on on your feet stopping and starting so much and, and cutting and everybody knows how tricky it is to play basketball on a on a bum ankle and, and um, it, it is the same ankle that is on the same leg that he's been dealing with the knee injury so like that that left knee that's kind of been bothering him throughout the season has to be supported by this left ankle yes. that that he sprained at, at Vanderbilt. So uh, I I just I, I think that's just an easy conversation to have and and an, an easy target and and it's to me it's it's not all all that fair. But uh, Josiah will will be back on on Saturday and at the end of the day, like it, it's it, it's time to get it done or. Or, or it's just not going to happen this season um, because uh, there's still the the same late game inconsistencies and and failures to execute. That yes, if I, I would probably say that if Josiah and and Julian are playing, the floor they can space the floor. They can space the floor with those two. If those two are out there, you're probably beating Missouri in that close game. Uh, and, and again, th- this is my speculation, and, and and it's not definitive. There's no way of us knowing, but I, I'd like to think that two of Tennessee's five starters and and Buzz Williams said it after the game. Like Josiah is a veteran that has played a ton of basketball, and Julian Phillips is a projected first round pick for a reason. Though those two, it when when you lose that much talent, when when you don't have that much talent available when, when that much talent is sitting on your bench because of injury it changes the outlook of your team even if you still have Zakai Ziegler even if you have Santiago Vescovi and, and some others like you're a different basketball team so because of that I'd like to think and assume that you probably beat B- Missouri you you probably um, beat A&M the other night and who knows how Kentucky plays out I mean you're able to get it to a eight nine point game Maybe Josiah is able to to get a few defensive stops to help you cut it to five, and and then Julian Phillips is able to to grab an offensive rebound or two like he's done well all season, and and then all all of a sudden it's a, a point game or a two three point game, and then Santi's able to hit a big shot, and, and all of a sudden you're you're in the lead, and Kentucky's deflated. You just don't know how it plays out. Obviously Tennessee dug a, a big hole, but also maybe Tennessee doesn't dig a big hole if it has Julian Phillips or, or Josiah Jordan James out there. So. Uh, the the their absences to me ha- have played a role in Tennessee's struggles of late, but there's still some inconsistencies from guys who have have still played out there on the floor. And 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 look, here's here's one common denominator. And I know Zakai Ziegler took to Twitter because he was frustrated 
by by the fans' reaction, and 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 in my opinion, rightfully so. But that's a separate conversation. But you can you can usually tell whether Tennessee is going to lose or win within the first ten minutes based off of how Zakai Ziegler just is, watch five. Just watch. Five. I don't. Yes, I don't mean to put it all on Zakai, but if if he's playing well, it's going to be really really hard to to beat Tennessee. If he's not playing well then Tennessee's going to have a, a hard night that night. Yeah, and I want to talk about that in the second segment for sure. The last thing I'll say before we go to break here is I think, to Ben's point about those past couple of games, I think Kentucky, for whatever reason, is just a bad, bad matchup for Tennessee. I don't want to say for whatever reason. I think the reason is Kentucky can keep Tennessee off the offensive glass, and most teams can't. Kentucky demonstrably can do that. They can keep Tennessee off the glass, uh, offensive glass, and that makes things tough for Tennessee because that's where Tennessee gets a lot of its offense. And Kentucky, to its credit, is a very flawed team, but a team that's usually very good in that one area. And that one area can go a long way against Tennessee. So I think I'm going to chalk that game up in Lexington as a game I think they would have lost no matter what just because that was a desperation mode game from Kentucky. You could tell by the first half. And I don't love that matchup for Tennessee I don't know. You could argue, I think, that Tennessee, and you look over the course of the season, common opponents, all these, Tennessee's a better team than Kentucky. Kentucky is a bad matchup for Tennessee. But the other games, I agree with Ben. I think it's very easy to see Tennessee winning a couple of those games uh, with those guys there. But they're not there, and they'll hopefully be back soon. But regardless, there are other things we need to discuss. Ben just hit on a big one. And I think there's a couple of other things, too, about this team, what it needs to do. Uh, if it wants to be better. And I think, are those things possible? I think a couple of them are possible. A couple of them, I'm not sure they're possible. So you have to find a way to work around that, which makes it tough. But not impossible, but there's other things you're going to have to do to overcome that if you want to win some of these games. So let's take a quick break, and we'll come back, and we'll discuss those things after we hear from some products, services, and in-house ads, and et cetera, right here on the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Welcome back to the GoBoss 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever product, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Ben McKee coming to you from his house. Content King Ben McKee coming to you from his house down there on another part of of town we are talking tennessee basketball and we were going to get right back to that on this uh 
very, very unseasonably warm Thursday evening here in Knoxville, Tennessee. But before we do that, just a quick suggestion, quick request from our end. If you could take about a minute out of your day right now, uh, maybe 60 seconds, 75 seconds, 90 seconds tops, go in there and rate and review and subscribe to this podcast. We really would appreciate that. Uh, Whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere in the world, you can cast the fine pod. You can find this GoVols 24-7 podcast. We do this for free. We're happy to do it. It's a labor of love. No complaints. However, since we're doing it for free, I don't think it's too much to ask to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. Tell people you see around town. You're probably out at the park or hopefully doing something outside today with the weather being as unseasonably warm as it is. Tell people you see around town. Tell people you see out there walking your dog or at the golf course. I bet the golf courses have been packed the past couple of days. Tell people you see out at games. Tell people that you see out at the movie theater. Maybe you're going to see Cocaine Bear, which is the unofficial sponsor of this podcast. Uh, maybe maybe you just see some people around town wearing Tennessee clothing. Go tell those people. They might be your new best friend. They might be your partner for life. You never know. Pay it forward. Karma, it's a thing. It exists. If you're already doing all those things, thank you. We love you. If not... I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Ben, back to business. You mentioned this at the end of the first segment, so I want to go right back to this to start the second segment. Zakai Ziegler... um, and I think this gets exacerbated a little bit, and, 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 and it gets heightened, certainly, when guys like JoJo James and Julian Phillips are not out there. Um, but Zakai Ziegler handles the ball, touches the ball more than anyone on the roster. He is the spark plug for Tennessee. I, I've started calling him kind of Tennessee's arsonist-in-chief because he's either going to torch your team or his own team with the way he's playing. And I know that it's possibly slightly marginally a little bit unfair to put that on somebody but you know what when you're the point guard of a team competing for championships in college basketball you are going to be in the spotlight there is no avoiding that and I think Zakai Ziegler frankly is a kid who can handle that so the I think he knows as well as anyone his importance to this team so with his inconsistency lately my question Ben is is this something that teams have figured out how to give him some problems that he wasn't having before, or is maybe he a little bit worn down or is he just kind of in a slump a little bit? Those would be, maybe there's another option, but it seems to me that it's got to be one of those few things that's going on with him right now. Cause it's something. Yeah, it's, it's definitely something I I'm I, look, obviously I'm no X's and O's expert. Um, <laughs> so I, I don't really feel adequate enough to to speak to, to if opposing teams are, are doing something differently. I, I'm sure that is a, a thing uh, because he he is one of the best players in the SEC, one of the best players in the country, one of the best point guards uh, in, in the conference or in the country. So he is at the top of opposing scouting reports every single game. Uh, and I mean, even Buzz Williams, before he kind of started talking about how good Josiah and uh, Julian are uh, he, he I believe he was directly asked about Zakai and, and how AM was was able to to kind of slow him down but he he, he said man he is so so good so good uh, so he obviously has the respect of just I would imagine every single coach in the SEC because he is that good he is that good uh, so I'm I'm sure teams are defending him differently um, but just to 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 the naked eye it seems like it's probably 70, 80% him being 
in, in a rut. Pressing. I think he's pressing. Yes, I, I I think he I think he has struggled, simply speaking, on both ends of the floor. Uh, his, his shot hasn't quite been there of late. Uh, and then defensively, he's been been called for for several fouls of late and and has battled foul trouble. And I think because of those two things, like you just said, he has begun to to press. And when you begin to press as a basketball player, that's when you commit silly fouls. That's when you turn the basketball over. So I, I think it is him just just being in a slump right now. I, I think that's the majority of it and and on top of that now he has started to press because he knows how important he is to this basketball team and it and it's not for a lack of effort uh when i was at monday's practice yes monday's practice right before they flew out to college station zakai was the last one in the gym last one in the gym getting up free throws threes and a, a lot of tennessee's players stay after practice for for a good chunk of time but he he just so happened to be the the last one one out there on Monday, and he even kind of in, in getting some extra shots up after practice, you could tell he was frustrated by them not going in, and he was kind of yelling at himself be, because he was so frustrated. So I, I do think most of it is him being a being in a slump, West. But I also do think that, and I don't think he would ever admit this. I don't think that. The coaches would ever admit this, maybe privately, but I I do think he's kind of worn down a little bit. He has played so many minutes this season because Tennessee lacks a, a true second point guard. And it, it's, it's not that he's in great shape. It, it, it's not his fault. It's not the the coach's fault within coaching the team and managing the roster within the season. Obviously, it's their fault for not having a, a second true point guard ready. B.J. Edwards is on the roster, but he's not ready to play yet and play a decent amount of minutes to to give uh, Zakai a break. I don't I don't think how that could not be at least a, a small contributing factor just because he has played so many minutes this season and, and has had to, to carry so much of the workload on offense, on defense, being at the top of the opponent's scouting report. That's a lot to to carry and, and also trying to, to be a vocal leader on this basketball team, one of the, the top leaders on this team. That That is a, a lot of weight to carry. And and also, look, I mean, it feels like he's a senior because he has played so much basketball and, and done so much already. But he's also a, a sophomore. So in, in a sense, he's also still trying to figure out this college basketball thing. So that that is a, a whole lot to carry. And, and I think that is that the, the amount of minutes that he has played on top of pressing a little bit is compounding the fact that he's in a slump. Yeah, I think that it is very possible that he's a little bit worn down, and that's probably making him push, try to push through it harder. And that that oftentimes isn't the way to fix things like that. I don't know, and I'd be interested to talk to the Rick Barnes about this. And I don't think he'd admit this till after the season anyway, and maybe not even then. But I have to think in my mind that that the biggest regret Tennessee has roster wise is is twofold. I think there were two mistakes made there. I think the first one, they had bad luck with the Yuri Collins thing. The way that thing ended, they thought they were going to get him. It was basically all but done. 
recruiting happens, weird things happen, got swept under the, the, the carpet, got swept underneath them a little bit. The rug got pulled. They didn't get him from that point on. They should have probably scoured the portal harder and signed another point guard. Even if it's one who's not near his caliber, cause there aren't, he might be the best point guard in the country. Um, still they should have because you know they didn't get case and wallace in recruiting um the thing with yuri collins didn't work out and they instead got another shooter type of guy which is fine but they tried to make him a point guard that didn't really work so i think the first mistake is probably not even if it's a juco guy somebody who can give you like eight minutes a game or eight you know like 10 minutes a game couple rotations, maybe two in the first half, one in the second half. A guy who can spell Ziegler a little bit more. I think that might be mistake number one. Mistake number two is we all know, those of us who can see the team and watch the team, we know B.J. Edwards isn't ready. But perhaps in some of those early season blowouts, there should have been more minutes given to B.J. Edwards, even if he hadn't quite earned them yet because you thought you might need him later in the year. And that is probably a little bit of roster management. I think those maybe were the two mistakes that were made. And again, hindsight, 2020 hindsight, we can all sit here and play Monday morning point guard or quarterback and say, oh, well, you should have done this. I think those are a couple things that maybe they could have done that would have helped them handle this better. Now, with Ziegler being in the situation he is now, I don't think it's helping. And I get back to this um, a little bit, but his struggles in some of these games without – uh, James and without Phillips, those are floor spacers. Those are guys who let you play a stretch four. Those are guys who let you have better spacing and better movement on offense. The offense doesn't move as well without them. The offense isn't spaced as well without them. The cutting isn't as good. The ability, the 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 necessity for defenses to extend out to the three-point line does not exist as much when they're not out there. Some of these turnovers are things where he is trying to make plays that are harder to make when the floor is condensed. And he's trying to push it, and he's trying to – you can see it. There were three probably turnovers in that AM game where he's just trying to make a play when a play's not there to be made because it's harder to make that play right now. And I think it's a combination of all these things that are happening at the same time, and it's unfortunate. I do think maybe it's a good thing that they have an extra day off because they play on Tuesday this week, maybe get off the feet a little bit. I'm sure he won't, but, you know – Get in the cold tub, get in the cryo, man, chill, watch Netflix for a while, do whatever you got to do, relax yourself a little bit, uh, because uh, once this is is gone, like you you are having to shoulder the load again until the end of this season. That's just how it's going to be. So he's got to get right, and because Tennessee will not have much of a postseason if he does not play well. He has to play well, and that's unfortunate. But it's also the same thing as saying, you know what, um, if Hendon Hooker or Joe Milton don't play well, Tennessee's not going to play well in football. It's just how it is. If those three aces in baseball, you know, get a little shoulder soreness or they they have a bad day, they're sloppy, it's not going to go as well for the baseball team. That's just how it is. He's got the ball in his hands. He's the point guard. He's got to find a way to play better. I don't know how it is, Ben. I don't know exactly what's going on. None of us really do. We're, we're, we're guessing here. But he's got to figure it out. Yeah, and, and and again, I think most of it is that he's in a slump, which if you want to look at it from a glass half full perspective, I, I think that's best case scenario and, and that it's not something else like an injury that's kind of lending to his struggles. And also, you'd rather him struggle here in February than here in two weeks uh, or 
you can get away with if if they go one and done in the SEC tournament. Yeah, it'll stink. Everybody will be upset, but nobody's truly going to be upset because they won it until, last year. They won it last year, so that's out of the way now. Yeah, but I have, and obviously you still want to win it because you're going and and you're playing against teams that you typically don't like, and and it's a pride thing. It's your conference, and and so on and and so forth, but. You you can go one and done in the SEC tournament. You, you can lose to a a, a Vanderbilt or or an Arkansas on, on a Thursday at the SEC tournament and be very frustrated. But then turn around and go make an Elite Eight run, and nobody's going to care that you lost that game, other than when it actually happened. So it, I kind of said it earlier when we were talking about Josiah and, and Julian and, and those two getting back into the mix and, and how. There, there's going to be at least a little bit of rust to knock off in, in terms of incorporating them back into the team. And and also for Julian, because he's a freshman, getting him back into the mix. The, there's there's kind of that with Zakai as, as well. At, at least it's happening now. But on, on the other hand, it's like he, he's got to get it corrected quick. Saturday is going to be an easy game against South Carolina. At least it should be. Should be. We, 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 we did see South Carolina push Alabama. Uh, to to the limit last night in overtime, but I do think there were some some circumstances. You going might say, you might say that that helped South Carolina uh, take Alabama down to the wire. Uh, but South Carolina is a, a really bad basketball team. It's a home game for for Tennessee. Say what you will about this Tennessee team. Only two games they've struggled at home this season: the the Missouri game in which they lost on a buzzer beater, and that Kentucky game. Other than that. They they put a stranglehold on every other opponent that's come in there. They've already beat Carolina by 40 this season. But my point that I'm getting to is that next week's going to be a tough week for this team. You've got a yeah. 9 o'clock tip on Tuesday night uh, against an Arkansas team that has kind of been up and down the second half of the season. Uh, an Arkansas team that still has a ton of talent, ton, even if it hasn't ton. lived up to, to expectations. And then next Saturday, going to Auburn, that is not going to be easy. That That is not going to be an easy trip whatsoever so Zakai's got to get it figured it out got to get it figured out now and in a hurry because you, again you can usually tell whether Tennessee's going to have a a good or bad night based off of his play within the first couple of minutes of the game and I don't mean to again put that all on Zakai like Santi's going to have to play well in order for Tennessee to be successful you've got to get Josiah and Julian not only back in the mix but playing well uh, in order for this team to, to win. I kind of feel good about where the role players are at with, with Jemai Meshack and, and Tobey Awaka and, and Jonas Adu. And, and they may be a, a little inconsistent here and there, but it seems like they've, they've kind of turned a corner of late. So if you can get some consistency from your main guys, which I consider the main guys, mostly Zakai, Santi, and Josiah. I would put Olivier and, Como in that group too because he's starting to shoot more and they need and if he's going to shoot that much which is fine, he's got to make them. Well, he's been shooting that much all season and hasn't been making them. So, I, I Olivier is an important piece because of how much he plays, but I think he's kind of in that tier 2 with with Julian Phillips. I I think Zakai, Santi, Josiah largely dictate the success of the team while Olivier and Julian kind of change the potential of the team and can elevate the team to a, a another level on top of the main three guards 
are playing well. That that's kind of how I look at it. So I like your thinking not, there. I might put Adu in that second tier too, at the bottom of that second tier, because we've seen in games where he can give them something. It can be the difference, like Alabama. Like, like without him, they don't win the game. Yeah, and uh, he was really good at the start of the A and M game. He just got into to foul trouble uh, as as well. So Zakai's got to get it going, but it's not just him. Uh, others around him are, are going to to need to to pick it up as well. And look, Zakai's been missing shots. He, he's had quite a bit of turnovers, but Rick Barnes made a great point a couple of weeks ago when asked why his assist numbers have gone down. Uh, and the response was simple. His teammates need to make some shots as well when he passes in the ball. That 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 always helps in addition to, to getting Zakai going. So uh, look, it it's now or never for this Tennessee basketball team. Essentially, they they've got to get it figured out. Well, and 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 you know Zakai's role and, and and just how important he is to the team by the fact that, and I get why he does this, but Rick Barnes has officially entered the "I'm not going to criticize him" mode. Basically, he he is he's basically he's gone as ride or die as he gets with Ziegler when well, he, when he talks about him because he knows. First off, he knows the kid's a maniacal worker, and he, he cares so much, and that that means everything to to Barnes. But um, he also knows how much he needs him, I think, and that's probably why he's saying some of the things he's saying because he absolutely needs him. Well, and and Rick, with with those three main guys that I just discussed, Josiah Jordan James, Santiago Vescovi, as he said in a video, Vescovi, Vescovi, uh, and, and and Zakai there, obviously in. At the beginning of the season, Rick did did not <laughs> mince words when when discussing Zakai's play in that Colorado game. But since then, to your point, he hasn't really criticized them publicly that that I can remember. And I Rick does that intentionally. Like yeah. you don't really hear him say anything publicly about Santi, Josiah, or Zakai. But behind the scenes, he he lets them he lets them hear about it. Yes. They they kind of get their their dress downs in in private uh when when the, the camera's not on and, and when media members aren't around they, they get it in in practice or, or in a, a one-on-one conversation after practice yeah and i think there's a couple of other things too before we get out of here that we need to discuss at least briefly one is that i think the texas a&m game makes tennessee either zero and seven or zero and eight this season when it trails with five minutes left in a game and Obviously, your record is usually going to be below 500 when you're trailing going into the final five minutes of a game. But to not have won a single one of those games, to me, that's a pretty large concern. There have been close games Tennessee won, obviously. Um, But to to not have a comeback in those terms, they've had comebacks. I mean, they've been down wildly a little bit earlier in games and come back and overcome it. But to not have a single come-from-behind win in the final five minutes – I think probably speaks to the execution in those situations um, because normally when you're behind, what do you have to do to win the rest of a game, right? You got to outscore the opponent to do that. You got to get the stops. Tennessee usually pretty good at that. Uh, you also have to execute very well offensively. You have to make your free throws and you just got to make shots. And that's not the strength of this team. And Hey, making shots pretty freaking important, but it's not, always what this team does best and so that that is a rather large concern uh going down the stretch i think that is a to me as much as anything that is a stat that the the first time i put it together and saw it and heard about it i was like man that's that's not good they 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 you gotta you gotta have a little more stiff upper lip to you if you want to make a postseason run they gotta fix that and they also 
have to stop putting people at the foul line. Uh, to me, when you're challenging a shot, that's fine. You're going to do that. But the number of like reaching fouls and the number of stupid hand-fighting positioning fouls, they're maddening. They have to stop. They had AM in the bonus within like three, three and a half minutes of the second half. And AM is a team that lives and dies at the free throw line. They are very smart, very, very smart. They know how to get under you. They know how to leverage you. And Buzz Williams, uh, a couple things. Uh, he wears really awesome suits. Uh, he can be a little bit annoying. And he's a hell of a basketball coach. All those things are true. He knows how to teach his guys the angles. He knows how to get his guys and coach them to get to the free throw line. And Tennessee fell for that bait all throughout the game. And Tennessee did not, when I say not playing smart, Tennessee committed way too many of those dumb fouls. Tennessee also, for some reason, failed to understand that AM was going to go bonkers for every shot fake. And if Tennessee had just pump faked more and then taken a step or two to the left or right and shot, there would have been an open shot on every single possession because AM, that was a pretty pretty easy thing to see watching the game they were changing their defenses so that's that's tough for an offense they change their defense almost every possession it seems like in some ways they play a really unique defense but the bottom line the the common denominator was they were wildly going after every shot fake so probably should have recognized that and done a little bit better about that however um the main point to me was they're gonna have to execute better in the in the late in these games and they're going to have to learn how to play defense the way they play it without fouling because they are getting massacred at the free throw line in a lot of these games. They are. I, I Again, it, it comes down to late game execution. We, we talked about that on the pod last week, um, I believe going into the Alabama game, uh, if I'm not mistaken. It, it's just the late game execution ha- has not been good enough, anywhere close to, to good enough. Yes, it, it was going into the Alabama game because that, that was in between uh, the, the buzzer-beating loss to Missouri and, and then hosting Alabama. The the late-game execution was not good against Florida when it got up six in Gainesville a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it, it wasn't good against Vanderbilt. It, it wasn't good against Missouri. Uh, and it wasn't good against AM. And I think it's un, unfortunate because they certainly did not play perfect basketball in College Station but they played well enough to win. I didn't think it was just some horrendous performance by Tennessee, considering the fact that they they are in a slump and they were down two key pieces of, of their team. And it was on the road in, in a hostile environment against the hottest team in college basketball, who has now won 13 of 15. Like all, all of those circumstances, I thought it was a, a pretty good performance, yeah, it was. generally speaking. But the, the late game execution was was very disappointing uh, yet again and it, it and that will be the reason if if they lose early in the tournament that'll be the reason because of of late game execution and you know I, I don't really have an issue with the the Zakai Ziegler or not Zakai Ziegler but the Santiago uh, Vescovi turnover there at the end I thought that was more bad luck that was than, bad than he, he, he made a hell of a play to get himself in there and then just that's basketball it happens right and, and then he didn't see the the defender coming behind him I I like I, he already had a defender on him he didn't see the second defender coming behind him and he was trying to get the ball to I believe Zakai in the corner for an open three like I'm sorry I'm, I'm not gonna fault Santi in, in that particular moment even if it was a, a turnover um, what my problem was with the late game execution 
was within the final 35 seconds or so, two horrendous shots. I, I don't know why. Hey, Kumba almost made Kumba. his. He almost made it's, that it's, shot. He almost made it. That thing bounced around up on the rim a couple times. That doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. He's he's six for 21 as a three-point shooter in conference play, which is 28%. He, he has the touch to make those, but he doesn't. So he needs to quit taking them first and foremost. B, if you are going to take one, don't take it at the end of the game with 30 or so seconds left. There's 18 seconds left on the shot clock. I want to say Tennessee was down a point. You're not jacking up a three. His feet weren't even set. It, it was a leaning three off balance, 18 seconds on the shot clock in a one-point game. What in the absolute, you know what, is that shot attempt? I mean, that was... In, in all-time horrendous shot selection this season. I think they, like were, down, the I think they were down two or – I don't remember. It wasn't you, three. It, they it they was weren't one, down three. They, weren't, they were not down three. You're right about that. They were yes. not down. So to, to take that three leaning with a defender in your face, I, I thought just was 18 seconds left on the shot clock, I, I just thought was horrendous. And then Zakai uh, as well. Uh, like I, I don't know what he was doing with with his three point attempt with with ten or so seconds left when he didn't need one. Just it, it's something different every time, and like that's really disappointing with, with a veteran basketball team. And and the last thing that I have for you, Wes, and I wanted to bring this up because we did not have a pod after the Kentucky game. They they weren't in a position to to where they could fail to execute in a late game situation, but. On the note of being a veteran team, I I, I hear you when, when you talk about Kentucky being a, a bad matchup. They they might be, but I don't really think that's been the reason that that they've lost to Kentucky well, twice they this can't, season. They can't get on the glass against them. They just can't do it. I don't think that they've had the mindset. I, I don't think that they've showed up mentally ready to play. Uh, we've talked about it a couple of times. They get out to an 8 nothing lead inside of Thompson Bowen Arena. And and then they took their foot on the gas, in my opinion, because they, they were reading all the press clippings about how Kentucky was really, really struggling at that point. And I thought that they would just coast to a win. Kentucky makes a couple plays, gets back into it, and then Tennessee can't flip the switch back on. I didn't think that Tennessee showed up mentally where it needed to be and, and ready to play. Jemai Meshack was the only – person that was ready to play from opening tip off now in the second half tip of the hat they, they played harder they 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 fought better but i i thought the the want to was not where it needed to be for a rivalry game in february at your at your rival's house i i did not think the the effort was, was where it, it needed to be or or being locked in mentally i, I didn't think i didn't think that they were and, and again Oscar Shibway is not not an easy guy to keep off the glass, they, but they, they do, play they do, several. Yeah, they do okay against Shibway. It's the other guys that bother him usually in those matchups, which is weird. I, and what is rebounding? Rebounding is all mental. 90 95% of rebounding is mental. And I've seen them on numerous occasions rebound well against good rebounding teams. I just watched them. I, I, I don't know if they – out rebounded Alabama or not, but Alabama is literally the best rebounding team in the country. They did. They out rebounded them. And Tennessee out rebounded them. The best team in the country at rebounding. They out rebounded them. They they just did that on Wednesday and then they let Kentucky bully them. And, and like I'm sorry, but Kentucky's not anything special this year. They've had Tennessee's number. They have the num- think- they have the pieces to be good, but they're not good. Right. 
So if you have the pieces and you're not using them, are you actually good? But I, I, my point is that like it, it's that that's kind of the reoccurring theme, and it's disappointing for a veteran basketball team that they fail to execute late in games because you don't expect that from veteran basketball teams. And then twice now against its rival, it, it has not shown up, in my opinion, mentally ready to play. I think that's fair. And the last point I'll make is this, because we, if you read the column that I wrote after the game at A&M, and a lot of people obviously read it and did not like it, um, but my point there was the point that I'm going to make at the end of this this episode here. You have every right right now to be extremely frustrated at Tennessee. In fact, if you're not frustrated with this team, I, why why would you not be? Like they're incredibly frustrating right now. But but if you think this team has absolutely zero chance to kind of get things sorted to make a run in the postseason, that shows kind of like, and I apologize for saying this bluntly, that shows just like a willful disregard for knowledge of college basketball history. All you got to do is get into this tournament. Anybody can make a run. We've seen teams go from first four to final four. We've seen teams in double-digit seeds. We've seen teams that were really good teams early in the season and then fade, and then they end up getting good again in the tournament. It's absolutely possible. And the reason why, there's two things, and I wrote this both these in the column. This team has not quit. If, we, if this team started quitting – then a lot of these losses that they fought back in to make them close, they would not have been close. If this team quit, those things don't happen. Number two is they have been very much in every single one of these games. Even Kentucky, when they were down 20, they got it down to a couple of possessions. They had a chance right there to do that. Uh, Florida, they were leading by six midway through the second half. All of these games, they have been right there. And the margins are so fine that if you lose most of those games most of the time, Okay, that is what it is. Statistically, maybe you're not going to be a team that wins those games. However, they are still in those games. They are right there. They have had the ability to win every single one of them. They just haven't done it in a lot of these cases. But they are right there. And if you just get a couple of guys healthy, if you get Zakai Ziegler playing smarter or better, if you foul a little bit more intelligently and stop putting teams in the bonus four minutes into a half – if you make a couple more free throws, you don't have to do all those things. But Ben, of those six or seven things I just mentioned, if one or two of those things happen, Tennessee's right back to being the kind of team that it was early in the season. The margins are very, very fine. Would anybody say statistically right now that they would be a good bet? No, hell no. Hell to the no. They would not be. But they absolutely are right there still. And if you don't see that, I don't know what games you're watching. Because they are absolutely right there. Do any of us think right now that they're going to make a run? Probably not. I don't think anybody would say that's a good bet to make. But they, ben, they are right there. They are still so close to being right there. Yeah, and, and that's what makes it so frustrating for fans is, sure. is that you, you see the the resources on this roster and 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 they're not living up to, to expectations. And, and the expectations are, are fair, in in my opinion, and and it's mm-hmm. fair to be frustrated by the the games in in which they have dropped. And no, I, I think Vanderbilt's a, a solid basketball te- team. I think Missouri is a solid basketball team. Uh, I I don't think Florida's good. You shouldn't be losing to those three teams. You just shouldn't. I I don't I don't I don't care about if ands or buts. Or, no, but or I, I'm I'm just saying they're right. Even in all those games when they played so so badly, they're still right there. No, I know. I'm I'm speaking to like fans and they're upset within those games. Like like they 
like if you lose a, a tight, close basketball game to, to Alabama last Wednesday night, then okay, it's not the from a Tennessee fan's perspective, it may feel like the end of the world because they're losing to Alabama. But in terms of the quality of team that you lost to, if, if it just kind of comes down to to the buzzer and Alabama makes one one more play or a call goes Alabama's way, that that's one thing to to lose those types of games. But but to to lose in the way that they did to Florida and Vanderbilt and Missouri and Colorado to to inferior teams because you, you just or and even the two Kentucky games like you you lost to inferior teams because you you didn't play up to your potential or or up to the standard like th- that's why folks are so frustrated with this basketball team but also like you're saying like they they do have an opportunity to to silence uh, a, a lot of people and and calm the frustrations because they do have the potential to to go out and win the SEC tournament. I'm I'm not going to pick Tennessee to win the SEC t- tournament, but it would not be the most surprising result ever if if they went uh, and, and won it. That they are fully capable uh, of winning the SEC tournament, and I'm not going to pick them to to make a, a Final Four or a, a Elite Eight run. And and I don't know, maybe we need to to reevaluate the ceiling of this basketball team. Sure, sure, because. The, the inconsistencies may be the biggest flaw, but that is quite the flaw to have, no, no matter whether you have the pieces or, or not. Who, who cares if you have the pieces if you can't be consistent enough? Yeah, to, to when you fall in a hole and yeah. disappear offensively, that's a bad, that's a bad, 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 very no good, very bad trait to have. Yeah, Right. It, I mean, it, it it feels like the the Conzo team that, that went to the Sweet 16, the, the one that was kind of frustrating and, and disappointing during the regular season to a certain extent. Um, because you knew that they had the pieces to to go do something and and win more games than they were, and, and then all of a sudden they they get hot and they 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 have some some dominoes fall their way with, with Duke being upset in, in the opening round and they get to play Mercer and instead, like all of a sudden they're in the Sweet Sixteen and really should have been in the Elite Eight if if it weren't for that bad call against Michigan. So that if it, it, it kind of feels like that year. To, to be honest with you, uh, you talking about Purdue. You talking about Purdue that game? No, going in the the Conzo Sweet Sixteen year. The the team. Oh was kind oh, of Jarnell Jarnell Stokes. I'm sorry. Yeah yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The the team was underwhelming and, and frustrating yeah. during the regular season, and then all of a sudden they're able to to piece it together. That that team can this team can do what that team did, but and I agree with you. They're, they're really really close. It it feels like, but again, time's up. Like te- yeah, like sure. There, there's technically a week and a half left before postseason play begins, but but in my mind, it, it's March, and and like you have maybe a game or two at most to to continue to mess around before you you can before you've got to have it going your way. Like you've you've got to get it on track because it's it's that time of year. It, it's the end of February and, and beginning of March, and they they do have the pieces, but it's it's now or never. Yeah, it is. And that that's all I was saying was that I think it's it's at this point, I don't see the harm in waiting three weeks to make a final judgment because at this point we've waited this long. Um, you know, if it goes badly, if it stays on this trajectory and it, it it's a flame out early postseason, well, then the autopsy is not going to be a pretty one. And we're going to be on this podcast discussing it. We're going to be on GoVols247.com discussing it. We are not going to shy away from saying uncomfortable things about uh, the state of any program that we cover. So, we, but, but 
I, I don't see the harm in waiting a few weeks to see sort of where things are because well, I've seen weird. It, it is. It is pretty wild to think like the the first Rick Barnes team that made it to the NCAA tournament that lost to Loyola. Um, that that team was was viewed more favorably going into to March, obviously, and were were more liked than than this team. But they they only made it to the second round. Theoretically, this team could could make it further. It, it's just kind of funny how expectations just, just change over see. time. Just and, wait and see. Yeah, I mean, you're you're absolutely right. But uh, it, it, it's now or never. And and at the moment, they're they're not instilling much confidence that that at the end of the wait and see that the that the conversation is is going to be much different. Yep, there's still some runway to land this thing, but it's not as much as there was. There's a very small amount of runway left and we'll have more time to discuss that. We'll be back obviously later this evening we'll be back with a with a baseball podcast and then we will have early next week another basketball podcast to discuss um did things get better over the weekend? Um did did some guys come back? Uh how did things look? Where are things going? Uh, and a big week that's ahead, too. So we'll be back to discuss that then, and uh, we'll be back here in just a little bit with a baseball episode that Ben will host and I will guest on. So, Ben, appreciate the time, man. Thanks, Wes. There's that button. And now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24 7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24 7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P Brown 24 7 on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals 24 7. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals 24 7, where we update that throughout the day, all day, every day, mostly with Tennessee news, uh, but also with news that we think Falls fans will find interesting. Uh, but if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the source, go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Nobody, and I mean nobody, covers Tennessee baseball the way that we do. Also, no one covers the Lady Vols that we do. The award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all season long. You can get all of that at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock, got the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world, and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and, and no one has a more uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time answering any question that you've got, and you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, you also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. 
less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. 